to the Andrea K show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. Andrea K. Show. Glad to have you all joining me here today. I'm super excited to be here as I always am to bring you the Andrea K. Show. Thanks to everybody out there who's watching via Facebook Live. Um, please, I would appreciate if you would share the video so the more the merrier who get to hear the message message today, particularly from my amazing guest. I've got Tom Del Beccaro, author of The Divided Error attorney, congressional candidate who's going to be here to talk about the GOP and what is going on with them. And, you know, from from the way they're piling on to Trump and everything going on with the Arpaio pardon and, and, you know, what's the rule of law. So he's going to be here to talk about that. Rick Amato is going to be here for the first time on the Andrew K. Show, friend of mine, well-known media and political guy here in San Diego to talk about all the attacks on free speech and Antifa and craziness going on here in California with a new piece of legislation aimed to criminalize speech. I think it's the first piece of legislation that's actually been introduced and passed a legislative body in the country that seeks to imprison people for up to a year for the words that they speak, and so goes California. As thrilled, though, as I am to be here with you all today, it's with a heavy heart because um, I think I've got a little bit like so many Americans, particularly those of us from the South, I think I grew up with a lifetime of PTSD involving hurricanes. You know, I grew up under the legend of Camille. And the lesson of Camille was don't write it out. Camille, if you're not familiar with it, was the storm that came up the Gulf and took over Gulfport and Biloxi area of Mississippi and just left carnage in its wake. Uh, We've had many, many storms affecting the Gulf and and Florida over the years. The worst ended up being Katrina. And I thought that there were many lessons to be learned from Katrina that I had hoped, you know, had been ingrained in the in with the American people. And I'm not really sure if some of those lessons were learned. It's about to me the overall message. And I got there's not a neighborhood or area that was affected by Katrina that I did not have friends or family there. So before anybody starts telling me that I'm heartless about lessons learned, let me tell you, I had family, many, many family members and friends who absolutely lost everything in Katrina. And that's why I said the number one lesson coming out of Katrina should have been the lesson of individual responsibility. You and you alone are responsible to take care of your private property, to take care of your life, whether that private property is your residence or whether it's your business. There was only one family member of mine who was not able to rebuild, and it was the one who didn't have insurance. And I said then it was not the taxpayers of America's responsibility to provide Louis with a home. And as as the politics are starting to take play involving Harvey, thankfully, the first responders and the Republican governor of Texas, the lessons learned there in terms of of how to deal with these these on demand, uh, these these crises on the ground. I think there's better response happening with FEMA and with the governor there. But, you know, I guess the, the mayor of Houston, one of the lessons also learned out of Katrina is don't rely on the government, particularly if it's a, a Democrat in charge, because the Democrat mayor of Houston was telling people not to evacuate. And again, the lesson should be that people should uh, pay attention to their own circumstances. And when you see a Category 4 or 5 storm headed your way, evacuate. Don't write it out. That was a lesson out of, out of Camille. Don't rely on the government. Take uh, personal responsibility for your life and your property. 
personal and professional and don't rely on the government. When we come back, we're going to pick up this conversation with Tom DeBacaro on the other side of the break because President Trump is going to be making a visit down there. And so it's already starting the politics surrounding the storm. So don't go anywhere. We got the more of the Andrea K show coming right back up. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. So glad to have you all here with me today. And I'm glad, I'm so thrilled and honored. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the Facebook Live broadcast. Thanks to everybody there who's watching and commenting. It's good to see Skip. Hey, Don, Audrey. Dougla, James, Joe, uh, Wayne, you know, I could sit here. I love you too, David. To everybody out there. Thank you so much. Uh, Please keep the conversations going. I'm curious as to what you guys think about my, my lessons learned that we supposedly learned going back to Camille in terms of personal responsibility, not relying on the government and taking care of your life and your property. And I think those were important lessons as the piling on and the politicking if that's a word, of Harvey begins with President Trump's tour down to Texas. Joining me now to talk about that is, uh, you know, an, an, the greatest. I, hey, Tom Del Bacaro, I, I, I have welcome back to the show. How For, are you? Well, I'm good. And I started to say, I think you are. I started to say you're an expert in politics. So that's kind of a weird term. But you've, <laughs> you're, you are a contributor to Forbes. You've written a great book, among, among others, The Divided Era. You ran, um, you know, uh, you were a congressional candidate here. So there's not an area that's going on in politics today that you don't really have a, some wisdom on. You're so kind. How um, are you? Well, I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm. I'm. Anytime I see a, you know a hurricane heading towards the Gulf, I start to panic because I grew up down sure. there, and it just really gets me into hysteria mode. I had to block somebody on Facebook because he was telling me that it, that it was all nothing but hype. There was nothing to worry about. And then after the storm hit, he was telling me, "See, I was right all along." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? People have lost everything." Yeah, we- my sister lives in the uh, energy sector. Houston suburb and her streets flooded, but it hasn't gotten into our house yet. Obviously, others have have endured much, much worse. Well, I think it, it again. Here we have a monumental natural disaster, and the role of government has to be discussed. Uh, growing up in the South after Camille, the lesson was: don't write it out, get out, evacuate. 
After Katrina, I thought everybody would have learned the number one lesson was individual responsibility. Take responsibility for your life. If you own a home, get insurance for it. If you own a business, make sure it's insured. If you're renting, get renter's insurance. Because it yeah. is because I think that the role of the government is to make sure that they can they can get people to safety, make sure that they've got, you know, some food and water and shelter immediately after the storm. But as but as the politics of it are starting, you know, it, because we've got we're looking at a new budget going into September, you know, there's now, you know, the expectation is, is that it's we've got 20 trillion dollars in debt. You know, the, we you know, we've even got somebody today on the news saying that President Trump needs to move to Houston and rebuild the city. We cannot afford that. No, certainly not. And those will be the costs. You know, one of the the outcomes of of the television era is that policy, politicians see something wrong on TV and they want a government response. And the lopsided coverage of Katrina has created this expectation that for every storm now there's going to be a major federal program. And we can debate that whether that's good or not, but the reality is it's here, and if I, I think Donald Trump's going to say that that some things need to be done. And the Houston mayor should be held account, accountable mm-hmm. for not getting people to leave the low-lying areas, because he said, no, don't do it, and, and you see the risks. Well, yeah, he not only said don't do it, but I think he, he put some tweets out there saying don't don't pay attention to he didn't say Fox News, but he was basically implying don't you know, don't don't believe the hype that you're seeing on Fox News without using the term. And um, that's why it does come back to individual responsibility. I mean, when you see, you know, a category four or five headed in your area, evacuate, take care of yourself. That doesn't mean that I don't think we shouldn't have first responders uh, down there, you know, paid for by the taxpayers to help people out. Um, but I do think that it certainly exacerbates the problem when people rely on the government, when they rely on some Democrat mayor to tell them what to do with their lives. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. And and I think we're headed for this era of, and thank goodness there, despite climate change, there was a record 4,300 and I think 25 days of no major hurricanes or no hurricanes making landfall. Uh, otherwise, it would be a hell of a lot more in debt. Well, yeah, you know what I like. I said I grew up in the South. I mean, hurricanes are we call it weather down there. We also knew, you know, in New Orleans <laughs> that if we ever had anything above a three come up through the with the area called the Wrigley's, we were dead, and that's exactly what happened with Katrina. So this ain't about climate change, although that is a part of the politics of what's happening with Harvey. Um, I, I applaud President Trump for going down there. Um, he also, you know, he's being criticized for that because he's he's he would be criticized no matter what he did in this situation. In 2016, where was President Obama? when Louisiana and BR flooded to the extent that Baton Rouge did, to the extent that it did, he went on vacation. And, and candidate Trump at the time was the one who went down there. And let me tell you, these areas of, of Louisiana where he went to, many of the people affected in Houston today in these areas in Texas are people of color. Where is Black Lives Matter? Where is Antifa? <laughs> They're not down there helping. I tell you who's down there helping in Houston. It's the Cajun Navy who did a lot of the rescues themselves in Katrina. Again, it's another lesson of uh, whether it was immediately aftermath, it was local citizens helping each other that did the primary, uh, the, some of the best work, as well as the uh, the aftermath after Katrina. It was really faith-based groups that did the most of the work to rebuild. So I'm really hoping that, again, the lessons the, the, that people will learn. Is, theirs isn't to help people. It is to tear down elements 
of the American system. They, so they're not going to show up uh, seeking that kind of, to, to to help people. They're they are there mm-hmm. to take apart part of American culture, and and that's where they're going to be. And it's it's sad, and it's beginning to work against them. You're starting to see the major media being very uneasy about of what Antifa's doing. We saw it here uh, in after the latest Berkeley thing where a major newscaster went there sort of undercover mm-hmm. in the sense that he was just there in shorts and a in a uh, polo style shirt and and they were abusive and hateful not because he was in the media but because he was there and and was taking pictures and they threatened him so it, Antifa is so out of control at this point that it, it, it's causing problems for the left and, by the way, overshadowing Charlottesville because mm-hmm. they're doing this all, all in a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, quote, bad right people, however you want to describe them or not. Well, yeah. And, you know, I got to thinking about this weekend, the juxtaposition between what was going on in Houston, where you saw black people saving white people's lives and white people saving black people's lives and Hispanics and everybody saving everybody down there. And I thought, this is the real America here. All this this stuff about hate and division, all that is manufactured. It's trumped up. That's why George Soros is having to hire these thugs. They, you know, the reality is, is are there isolated elements of people who hate in this country? Absolutely. But Obama was all about eight years of fostering these types of groups because he was all about fostering. That's why he invited BLM to the White House because, you know, it's a cultural Marxist play. I don't have to explain this to you. You know, by by tearing us down and making Americans think that that America is nothing but a a hateful racist society um, that, you know, they can can tear down America. The left wants to tear down America so they can rebuild it according to their Marxist, you know, vision. I say America is more Houston than it is anything that happened in Charlottesville or Berkeley. But I got to switch gears. I'm talking to Tom DeBacaro, author of The Divided Era and contributor to Forbes and all-around brilliant um, attorney as well. And that's why I got to shift gears to talk a little bit about the rule of law. Because um, from all sides, President Trump is being absolutely lambasted for his pardon of Arpaio. And to me, I'm shocked that any Republican, I shouldn't be shocked, after the exposure that the Republicans, the Republic, after the Republicans have exposed themselves and now that they're eight months in and they've done absolutely nothing to fulfill their campaign promises... But Arpaio, and you could tell me if I'm wrong because you're an attorney, it seems pretty clear to me that he was wrongfully accused, that the courts were weaponized against him to punish him strictly for his politics. And instead of letting him twist in the wind and be tortured more to be bankrupt with legal fees, President Trump came in and said, this will not happen under my watch. And we've got Mr. Pardon, Mr. Ben Pardon himself for his treason, John McCain, Paul Ryan and others piling on. And to me, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to read it, but Kurt Schlichter has a great article on Town Hall out today about the fact that, you know, the Republicans, we don't really have rule of law in this country anymore. We have the rule of elitist and President Trump is trying to restore the rule of law. How do you see it? Did we lose Tom? Well, I don't know if Tom hit his moot button or what happened, but here's how I see it. I see that, uh, you know, the the only explanation that I have for the fact that the Republican Party is criticizing the Republican Party, when you look at what they've done, 
we've got the Republican Party that right now is allowing an investigation to happen against President Trump on the basis of nothing, trying to tie him to Russian interference in the election. Meanwhile, they've done nothing to hold Hillary Clinton accountable for her role with Russia and the money that she took from them in a variety of different ways to line the pockets of herself and the Clinton Foundation, as well as the shenanigans that she's working with foreign governments to affect our election here. We've got a, a Republican Party that allowed Christian Saucier to be convicted and, and be torn away from his family to spend a year in jail for six pictures on his cell phone while Hillary Clinton was allowed to escape the fact that she broke the law for the Espionage Act. We've got a Republican Party that doesn't seem to care about the rule of law. We've got a Republican Party right now We've got he, who's a Republican Illinois governor who came out yesterday and declared the state of Illinois as a sanctuary state. And he actually has the, the nerve to say that, it, that it's for the safety of the citizens? No. Don't tell me that you care about the rule of law, Republican Party, when you are not and, and you don't like President Trump's pardon of Sheriff Arpaio because he, oh, he should have let the, the rule of law play out. He should have let it go all the way to appeals. He should basically, the Republican Party from McCain to Ryan and others are basically saying that they don't really care about the rule of law. They're no, they're, when it comes to the rule of law, they're just as hypocritical as the left. And I'm glad to hear, I don't know if you guys have heard the reports, that Sheriff Arpaio is thinking about challenging none other than Jeff Flake in the state of Arizona. I don't know. I wish he could do a twofer. I wish he could challenge McCain as well as Jeff Flake in Arizona. Um, I don't know if we're going to be able to get Tom Delbert Carl back on the line. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of where the Republican Party's at, my last question for him was whether or not he agrees with Brent Brozell, who said that the GOP is committing suicide. I absolutely think that they, they are. Here we are, eight months in, and not one of their campaign promises have they done anything to fulfill it. From Obamacare repeal and replace, to tax reform, to sealing the border. They supposedly are. How many years have they said that they want to stop the scourge of illegal immigration? How many years have they said that President Obama violated the rule of law with all of his executive orders? And they have done absolutely nothing. They promised to hold people accountable. And they've done absolutely nothing to fulfill their campaign promises. And I heard the other day, their solution is always, well, you know, they, they, there's something holding them back, you know, from the bird rule to, you know, first it was, well, you got to give us the House. Then it was, well, you got to give us the Senate. Then it was the White House. Now the new term is we don't have a functional majority. We got to have 60 people in the Senate in order uh, to get anything passed. Well, they didn't tell us that when they were running for office. It's all lies. It's all a scam. They've been completely exposed. And the question now is what the voters are going to do in 2018. I will not support reelecting any Republican who is currently right now doing anything to stop the agenda of President Trump, which is the people's agenda from being enacted. And there's very few Republicans out there right now that are actually doing what they can to help that happen. Ted Cruz has been about the best for me. Um, he's the one who, who actually compromised and came forth with an amendment to uh, get Obamacare repeal and replaced. But he's a, he, honestly, he's about the only one so far that I would reelect. The, the excuses are over. And I think we I think that we might even want to be thinking about a third party at this point. I, I was really saddened to hear that someone that, you know, uh, that how much I have so much respect for Dr. Sebastian Gorka, 
left the White House. And his statement was based upon the fact that everybody who was initially brought into the administration to fulfill Trump's campaign promises to make America great again has been outed, has been forced out in one way or another. And the forces for globalism and and regressive, the left is not progressive, they are regressive. The left wants to take us backwards to, you know, failed policies of communism and Marxism. It doesn't matter that it might look a little bit different. That's exactly what it is. And he feels like he and Steve Bannon and others can do more outside the administration. And that's a really troubling sign to me. I get the fact that Sebastian Gorka and President Trump had some differences in terms of foreign policy. But the one thing that they supposedly had in common was understanding the enemy and the war on terror and not wanting to import radical Islam into this country and fighting them and fighting the ideology around the world. He, Sebastian Gorka was also somebody who understood all the economic and all the domestic policies that were a part of making America great again. And he was somebody who came into this country as a legal immigrant and has a love for the Constitution and the rule of law here more than most average Americans that I meet walking the street. So I, to me, when he says he's going to go outside the administration and he and Steve Bannon can do more outside, I think it means putting outside pressure on the administration to fulfill their promises to the American people. We're going to take a break. When we pick it up, we're going to continue this conversation on the other side with Rick Amato, first time on the Andre K show. We've got some interesting stuff happening out of California, kind of disturbing to talk about with him. So stay tuned. More Andre K show coming right back up. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Thank you so much. I'm really bummed that I lost my buddy Tom DeBacaro at the last um, break, author of The Divided Error. You know, he's been he's been writing about the divisions in America and how the left and has worked to divide us in order to to conquer us. Eventually, he's been writing about that for a long time, for over a decade. So if you haven't read his book, please do so. Please check out his articles on Forbes. He's a contributor there. And, you know, follow him on Facebook because he does like his Sunday thoughts on the week. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. He is an attorney. Y'all know I don't necessarily love all the attorneys out there. I could sit here and do a whole show on attorney jokes. But anyway, his, his, he's brilliant when it comes to politics. I, and speaking of brilliance, I have the best Facebook 
and Twitter friends out there. Such genius. Um, I want to read a couple comments before I go to my buddy Rick Amato, who's got his own brand of genius. He'll be on an, an Uno moment here. But uh, C.V. Burton says, don't worry about Trump. He just scolded his staff yesterday and said that some of them are globalist, but he decides and he wants tariffs. So I'm glad to hear that he's actually confirmed and he's calmed some fears there because, you know, he is a true genius when it comes to making deals and getting things done. And um, Eric says that he believes that Gorka can do more good outside the White House than inside. Dan Perry says, as far as he's concerned, the Republican Party has committed suicide and it's dead to me. Um, you know, I think that the, the Republican Party needs to listen to comments like that on um, social media and from the voters and take heed. Another comment somebody made here, I can't see it now, but they said they really think that the DOJ and FBI should be investigating the Clinton Foundation. Absolutely. And that leads me into my next topic. First of all, I got to bring on my guest, Rick Amato from Politics and Profits. Hey, Rick, welcome to the show. What's going on, Andrea Kay? Oh, so much is going on, um, especially with you, my friend. You got a new show, Politics and Profits, and... <laughs> Yeah, um, I want to talk about that in a little bit, um, but sure. so much is going on. You know, President Trump is going down to Harvey right now. The politics have already started with that. Um, you know, unfortunately for the left, they haven't been able to find as much as they would like to bash Trump over the head with for this hurricane, oh, like yeah. they successfully did uh, with President Bush, although Bush did not deserve the criticism. Um, but, you know, right. he was so bad. Bush was so bad with the PR game and the communications, which is one reason why I have so much contempt for Dana Perino and all of her communications wisdom because they allowed President Bush to be blamed for everything that happened in Katrina, which then fed this notion about, because I was talking about the government's role for disasters earlier with Tom DeBocaro, and that just really did so much damage to our nation and to the Republican Party. Um, But, you know, um, Mm -hmm. what I want to talk about with you is um, what's not happening right now, my first topic, and that is... You know, let me back up a little bit because I don't know if you heard my final thoughts. When it comes to the rule of law and what the and the criticisms of against President Trump from Republicans for Arpaio got me thinking about the rule of law in this country and how the Republicans like to talk about the, the Republicans criticizing Trump are saying, well, he should have followed the rule of law and let it all play out. Well, you obviously don't care much about the rule of law, Republicans, because you're not in that you're allowing a false investigation of President Trump for false reasons to happen on Russia. Meanwhile, you're not doing your job investigating Hillary Clinton for her ties to foreign governments. They're not investigating the Clinton Foundation for what they've done there with the pay to play scheme with her as Secretary of State, and they're not investigating Obama for his uh, spying on American citizens. Sarah Carter, you know, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to. What's interesting about your, your about your comments there, Andrea, is I don't know if you or your listeners saw this yesterday, but Brett Bozell, he, of course, he's from the Media Research Center, a frequent guest on Hannity. Uh, we met Buckley's nephew, by the way. Uh, Brent Bozell wrote a feature article at Breitbart.com yesterday on this very issue that you're addressing. And Brent Bozell is, is basically the point of his article is that the Republican Party is on the slow road to suicide. Yes. Uh, with, 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 you know, with, with there being exceptions in general, uh, he points out that they're liars. Uh, they will say whatever it takes to get reelected. They'll say whatever it takes to uh, to what sounds like the great soundbite at the moment, 
and then turn her back on on executing those principles. President Trump or Paul Ryan criticizing President Trump for his pardon on Ohio. You cannot possibly care about the rule of law. You cannot possibly care about this nation and criticize President Trump for that. Um, they they, they yeah. what they care about is what the what the and, and they and you cannot possibly also be for limited government. You can't be for um, the restoration of our nation back to um, states rights. You can't care for you can't care about anything that the Republican Party is supposed to be about if you're currently criticizing President Trump and refusing to honor your pledges to the American people. Yeah. And um I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I agree with you. And the, yeah. the Arpaio criticism is, is wrong. Um, you know, if, if nothing else, you got an 85-year-old uh, sheriff. The guy does not belong in jail, in prison. But from a principle standpoint, from a, from a legal standpoint, the point you're making, uh, Arpaio made the right decision. And you have McCain and, and others who are... Um, who are showing uh, their true colors here by by uh, criticizing the decision. I, I think it was the right decision. Yeah. As you probably know, I happen to know Joe Arpaio personally. Yeah. Yeah. I've interviewed a few times, spent some time with him. Um, I think the guy's not a racist. No. Um, he, may, he may be a little flamboyant. He is flamboyant in uh, in his actions, but that's not illegal. Now, what's going on here is that the Republican Party has allowed the left to weaponize the courts, allowed the they've allowed the left to punish Americans. They've allowed tyranny to really start to take over in the land. This was about the courts punishing a man for his political views. We don't have the Republican Party standing up for that. We don't have the Republican Party standing up against right now the scourge that's going on in our college campuses against white people. An article from World Net Daily came out about this um, uh, professor in University of Iowa who's pledged to expose her students to their own white ignorance in a peer-reviewed academic journal. And then she was shocked that she was criticized for it. And um, then her her college came out and said they were shocked that she received any criticism from it. Um, you know, really? It's like, yeah, it's like, are you kidding me? You know, basically, we've got, and this, she's just one of, this is just one of many stories around the nation that's going on with this. Um, you know, she says, uh, as a white assistant professor of mostly white graduate students, uh, I work to dismantle whiteness in my career curriculum dismantle whiteness that's a key word for me then you go on to to, there's another um another professor from the university of milwaukee wisconsin who called for complete abolition of whiteness saying that is the only way to end racism in america we have gone from being a country that was supposed to be about following martin luther king's dream of equality to wanting to literally college campuses being used to oppress for the strict purpose of oppressing white people. And there is nobody talking about it, including the Republican Party. Now, let me ask you, Andrea, I I see these stories on the campuses as it relates to white privilege and and, uh, conferences and meetings for blacks only. Um, And I have I have conflicted feelings on the on how powerful uh, those actions are. And what I mean is this. And I'm, I'm curious. Where, where you are, because I'm, okay. I'm conflicted. First of all, it's wrong. There's no question it's wrong. I'm not conflicted about that. But secondly, um, I, 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 when I read these stories, I, 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 the first thing that hits me is that these campuses are so out of touch mm-hmm. with the values of the vast majority of American people. But on the other hand, 
you know, college age kids are a, uh, you know, they're, they're a sponge and they could be uh, influenced very easily. So uh, on the other hand, I don't know if, if we're influencing the values of a generation of people going forward. Uh, so um, to put it differently, on one hand, I believe the colleges are out of touch. On the other hand, they're uh, they're influencing the values going forward, and, I, and I'm not sure where I uh, where I stand on this in terms of how concerned to be in terms of the influence. I was curious what you may have thought. Well, on. I feel like that that um, I I feel like it has is having a huge impact on our society because uh, you know it's it's because I see it as just one piece of the puzzle. You've got the left justifying Antifa who we and and oh by the way talking about what the Republican Party is not doing Jeff Sessions and nobody's coming out and calling Antifa a terrorist organization after look at what they did in Berkeley attacking people yeah. and beating people who were just doing nothing but peacefully protesting and there's nobody showing any outrage where do those people come from one of these colleges you look at most of these Antifa people are young people probably coming out of some of these colleges there you know when you have you it's it's then you look at these man on the street interviews this these people come Coming out of these colleges come out with these ideologies and they go and they start businesses and they go and they vote and it does have an impact on our society and you know it's and and, and the ultimate and it has a long-term goal impact the tearing down of our statues is not about the statue at Lee Circle in New Orleans it's about ultimately getting to the Jefferson Memorial and our founders and if they can take if they can declare America a racist nation and that all white people are bad and the only way to fix America America is fundamentally bad and the only way to fix it is by stripping uh, our foundation away, i.e. our Constitution, then they can strip all of our powers away and they can turn America into a Marxist society. And that's what it's all about. Uh, it's, it's a scary scenario. The, 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 the thing that gives me hope is you look back at what happened in the 60s when you had those, you know, the, the crazies on the left, college students rioting in the streets, protesting in the streets, and uh, the silent majority, as it was termed, looked on under TV sets, and that's what led to the election of Richard Nixon. I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but that's what gives me hope here. But you're right. It's a slippery slope, and if someone doesn't step up um, and, and, and call these folks out, then uh, that slippery slope could end up as, as, uh, as dangerous as, as you point out. And all of this reminds me of the late Andrew Breitbart. Yeah, who was w- well known for saying that that uh, the right, especially Republicans, uh, are tone deaf, are just ignorant when it comes to communicating with the pop culture. Yeah. Um, what, what I'm shocked at, Andrea, is I honestly thought that after Andrew Breitbart made such a big, uh, you know, alarm out of this, I thought the right would be much better. Would, mm-hmm. would improve. I don't think it's the case no. because, as you point out, as you point out, uh, the Antifa stories has been has been the narrative has been hijacked mm-hmm. by the left, and that's just messaging with pop culture. Mm-hmm. And those on the right just run and hide. Yeah, Trump, it, tr- Trump did the right thing when he said there was, you know, tr- Trump did the right thing when he said there was there was wrongdoing on both sides. Of course, mm-hmm. he got criticized. Here is where I here is where I criticize Trump. I know I'm nitpicking. I mean, it's a stressful job. You enter the microscope 24-7. You you know the old expression, it's not what you say, but how you say it that counts. And I think that's very important. And uh, he said the right thing, but I don't think he said it the right way. Mm -hmm. Now, Obama would have gotten a pass, but, but 
that's the world we're, we're, well, we're how living could, in. So how, should, how could he have said it better? Well, uh, first of all, he could he could have been when he came out a couple of days later on the in uh, and uh, gave the the elaborate uh, detailed explanation. It was not heartfelt. It was read from a scripted teleprompter mm-hmm. and and um, delivered as if it were without feeling or emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't. If it had it been me. Or let me rephrase that. Had I been advising him, I would have uh, given more detail as to why he believed and correctly that there was wrongdoing on both sides. I agree with you there. What uh, I think he could have done is I think he could have um, not talked off script. I think he I think he should have had a scripted statement where he talked about how Antifa has been terrorizing America for a year. These yes. are the same, that they yeah. are not anti-fascist. They are the fascists. They are anti-free speech. Uh, and that the, and I think he should have called out the Republican Party and the Democrats for not addressing them sooner, for not doing something about oh. them. And he should have given very specific examples, starting with the rallies going back uh, yeah. you know, where women were attacked. I think he should have been very clear about that, that, that I think he there should have, go. I think, he, yeah, and I think he should have drawn comparisons between the neo-Nazis and Antifa and how they're basically, they're, they're the same movement. Really, I mean, they're you know they're all about they're 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 all about tyranny, and that there is there are factions of tyranny on both sides, and and neither one is appropriate. And he should have called out the left and shamed them for the fact that because they perceive as Antifa fighting for their interest, they're okay with violence in the streets. There you go, there you go, and and you know, and just to elaborate on a point you made. I, I don't think before the, the Charlottesville that most Americans knew who, who Antifa was. I don't think most Americans realized that they had a history and an agenda of violence. Mm-hmm. And as you point out in your explanation there, he should have talked about that violence. Yes. Um, but I think it's coming out now after Berkeley. I think it is, too, because, you know, there was this journalist who went undercover. It kind of reminds me of of how the the Republican Party let the Tea Party be branded as as a racist organization. And then this journalist, this journalist, I think it was from WAPO, went undercover to a Tea Party rally and said there wasn't one there wasn't one racist sign. There wasn't one racist comment. It was the Tea Party was a blend of different colors and it was all about we taxed enough already. And, you know, it's just more yeah. and more examples of how the Republican Party, and in this case, the Trump administration as well, is not owning the messaging. They're not doing a good job of communicating. And, you know, in terms of whether or not, for getting back to talking about whether or not the anti-white movement on colleges, whether or not that really has an impact on our society, I think it does because it's a part of an overall strategy from the left. They took over our education system, our media uh, yeah. A variety of different ways, all meant to foment racial divisions for a greater good. And so one of the things that they've really been wanting to get over on us was hate speech legislation. And they've used a variety of different methods to do that. And if they can make us ashamed of our whiteness, if they can make us ashamed of our country, then we're going to be willing. If they can, if they can remove God from society, then we're going to be willing to let them, you know, legislate. Our, our take our rights away from us in California 
some San Francisco Democrat state senator has put forth legislation that I think was actually voted uh, Bill SB 219, in which it will be unlawful for a long-term care facility or facility staff uh, to... um, willfully and repeatedly use the wrong transgender person's preferred name or pronoun after he or she clearly informed of the preferred name or program pronoun weird and and, yeah, this, and anybody who does this will be subject to a thousand dollars fine and a year in prison a year in prison because you didn't call somebody the proper name that they wanted to be called and the reason why, and some people mean, well, why would they start? Why are they even doing this with, what does this have to do with healthcare facilities? They're just looking for a way, an inroad. They're looking for an inroad. And it, and it, it because somebody wants, we're going to, you're, you're going to go to a, a prison for a year because somebody wanted to be called a he and you called him a she? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh, but you, you, you bring up a good point. It's an inroad. Now, you know the, the silver lining. If you're the silver lining here, I mean, if you could say there is one, is that as you point out, they have to willfully and repeatedly um, call someone by the wrong name, by the wrong pronoun, or uh, prevent them from using the wrong restroom. And this is in a hospital or in home care. I would hope that if someone does that, uh, this thing gets uh, rectified before before repeatedly and, and long-term repeating it. But that's a side note. The big picture, is a, as you point out, Andrea, this is just an inroad to uh, to make a dent in the uh, in the system so that it leads to uh, greater control over free speech. Well, you see, for me, uh, I don't care whether or not some, if you, I don't care if you are, there are two genders. You're either born male or female. And just because you decide that you want to, to identify yourself, if you're a woman, just because you decide you want to identify yourself as a man, I should never be. That's your choice to do that. And it's also my choice to decide whether or not I think that that's, you know, um, whether or not you're still a man i have there should never be a word that comes out of my mouth that puts me in jail except for yelling fire in a crowded theater i have the right there is no science there's you're born we've got two genders that's it we got two genders and and i've talked many times in the show about how when i was a kid i thought a mistake had been made and i was i was a boy trapped in a girl's body and you know what i was still called a she and you know and fortunately my parents (laughs) didn't interfere and i was allowed to you know my i was allowed to develop into the person i am now um but at the end of the day our free speech rights should never be infringed upon because of opinion and that's what this is we are current we are criminalizing politics joe arpaio was was criminalized for his politics and that's what this does here and we we cannot allow this to happen not to mention this this also has free market implications here because you know our our i think you know if, if this is going to be the law of the land if i owned a healthcare facility i would say i don't want a transgender person as, on my floor i don't want to yeah i don't want to because i don't want to be dealing with this i should have the right to do that because i you know somebody willfully and repeat repeatedly how do you know somebody's willfully using the wrong pronoun and how and what if somebody decides they they want to be a man one day, but then two days later they decide, you know what? No, you know, I, and, and, you know, a senior with dementia could decide one day they want this and the next day they're they're somebody else. And somebody's got to keep track. Right. And there's like 20 different categories now of genders. I mean, I just think that we I think we need to start pushing back against all of this stuff. Well, you know, it's not going to happen in California, unfortunately, because of the I mean, it, the pushback because of uh, the state legislature is controlled by the left. Uh, I'm not saying this bill is going to pass, 
but I don't see any big pushback coming uh, from it uh, yeah. in, in the, here, here in California. Well, tell everybody about your and, show, Politics and Profits. And, and, and the danger is, of course, as California goes, unfortunately, oftentimes goes America. Right. Um, yeah, so um, Politics and Profits with Rick Amato. Uh, we're on, it's a television show. We're on in 20 cities across the country. We're on Roku, uh, Amazon Fire TV. And you can watch every show online at amatotalk.com, A-M-A-T-O, talk.com. Our tagline is uh, pulling the curtain back on Washington and giving you the information you can use to profit and benefit in your life. Um, and basically, we, we bring on top newsmakers from financial markets uh, as well as politics, and we cover we cover uh, what's going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. in Washington. What are the lobbyists doing that might affect your 401k or your mm-hmm. SEP IRA uh, or your next pay raise request? Mm-hmm. So we, we bring on uh, those uh, those uh, policy analysts and think tank. Uh, nonprofits out of Washington to tell us what's going on behind the scenes that's mm-hmm. not getting reported. And then we bring on um, Wall Street executives who are following what's going on in Washington, telling us how to, uh, telling our, our viewers how to uh, take advantage in our own personal life of the information we just gave them. Well, I hope to have you back you know, on as we go forward to, you know, getting into the budget battle and all that coming up and tax reform. Um, I'd like to have you back so you can talk about that. And as the NAFTA, we didn't, we don't have time in today's show, but, to, you know, things are heating up between Trump and Mexico on, on NAFTA. And so <laughs> I would like to pick your brain on some of those business topics uh, next time. All next right, time Andrea. Now. Sounds good. And we'll, and we'll get you on politics and profits, the TV show here soon. Awesome. Too. Thanks, Rick. Have a great day. You bet. Bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break, just a skinny little break. When we come back, we got more topics to talk about on the other side. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We are rolling along. We're into our final segment here. We still got a lot of ground to cover, though. Uh, speaking of NAFTA, uh, yeah, things kind of got heated a little bit between Trump and this Mexican president yesterday over NAFTA and the wall because and, and I was on uh, RTTV last night and they were asking me about it saying, oh, should it be combined together, the wall negotiations and NAFTA? Absolutely. It's all tied together. 
you know, that Mexico needs this this NAFTA deal to go forward. They're the ones getting the, the most of the benefit out of it. I don't know if y'all know, but I think Mexico, 80% of their exports come here to the U.S. In, in I think between 1999 and 2011, I think 700,000 auto jobs went down to Mexico. But that doesn't mean that Mexican workers' wages went up. Not only did the Mexican workers' wages not go up, actually American wages went down. Because now, thanks to NAFTA, all any any business has to do is threaten to take their business down uh, overseas or down to Mexico, and the American worker really doesn't have much leverage. And NAFTA should be everything that the left hates because it's nothing but a big bill of special privileges to corporations and big investors. And there's even like the TPP, there's all these secret government panels supposedly involved in there where people can skirt the laws of the U.S. Again, speaking of the fact that the Republicans who who um, supported NAFTA, uh, you know, the rule of law, this globalist mindset from the Republican Party, you know, trashing the U.S. rule of law, uh, that's a part of what NAFTA is. And so even I would love to see it completely gone away, even from simple standpoint of the fact that living here on a border town, I mean, as soon I, I, I tried to dig up my old no on NAFTA T-shirt. I couldn't find it. I think it's become a, a rag at this point. But, you know, sure enough, soon as NAFTA was passed, we had every broken down truck with, with uninsured driver behind the wheel flooding across our borders. I got to make sure every time I go to a grocery store that the produce isn't grown in Mexico because I got a, a batch of raspberries one time from there. And let me tell you, it was, you know, E. coli ridden. So there's so many aspects of NAFTA that are bad. And, you know, to those on the right criticizing Trump for the way he's handling the Mexican president, whether or not the Mexican president, I don't care what the Mexican president thinks. Entire industries have grown up, have have erupted in California here to help businesses take their business across the border, in part because of NAFTA and also in part because of, of overtaxation and regulation on California businesses. In fact, I know the guy who runs a, a huge company out of Chula Vista who does nothing but set, t- take American businesses south of the border, costing American jobs. And it ends up lowering the American wages. And I so I and, and, and as for the wall, I, I do want to see border wall funding. That's another pledge that the Republicans said that they were on board with and they better fulfill it. And I don't care what the Mexican president thinks about it. I don't care about his feelings because I also know somebody who's moved to Mexico a few years ago. And let me tell you, their immigration laws down there are strict. So I'm really not interested. And oh, oh and another thing. And DJ Carrot Sticks, how much do they rely on us and Americans in TJ? That Mexican press, I mean, what, what would Avenido Revolucion look like on a Saturday night if it wasn't for San Diego? Okay, so I'm not really interested. in It'd be empty. It'd be absolutely empty. And so would most of Baja. Meanwhile, speaking of Baja, I'm glad I got out of Cabo safely in March because now the crime is so bad in Mexico, they're telling people not to even go there. So that's my rant on the Mexican president. Um, Here's a little happening in San Diego. I guess the secretary of the Navy is in town here in San Diego today, which is a good thing. You know, we what is going on with the Navy with the fact that we've suddenly got all these collisions happening out there and we're losing Navy sailors. I'm really hoping that, you know, some people said it has to do with funding. Um, They really need to get that together because, you know, we've we've got to start taking care of our military, not just the veterans. I think President Trump's doing a good job with that. But also we got to get get our military, our our forces back up to speed, better equipment, better air power. Our ships, our our entire infrastructure needs to be rebuilt. We need to be putting more money there than we need to be sending to Pakistan and other countries around the world. Speaking of the military, uh, I guess six uh, 
military service people who are transgender have filed a lawsuit against the Trump administration uh, for discrimination. I, I wonder if they might want to empower themselves by seeking some other claimants with them. You know, people like who anybody who has diabetes, flat feet, anybody overweight, anybody age 36, you know, the long list of other people that get denied entrance into the military. Because, see, you know what? The military is the right to deny entrance for a variety of different reasons. We've already talked about this. So, you know, I, I would love to see this again, talking about the rule of law. I would love to see this play out and actually have the true rule of law applied here. But I suspect that much like these judges around the country who decided to uh, be dictators in robes and overturn the president's lawful right to enact immigration policy, I kind of suspect that somewhere we're going to have some judge along the way who's going to decide to punish Trump and is going to give these guys their due and what they want in the courts and tell them, yes, they've been victimized by the evil, you know, President Trump and his going to make its way all the way to the Supreme Court. And I'm hoping then, thankfully, if for no other reason we should be glad we have a President Trump, it's because we've got him for any appointments to the Supreme Court. I predict that that's where it ends up. And hopefully the true rule of law will prevail in that instance. You know, what's also prevailing. I think what's prevailing in Hollywood, uh, the, I, who is this? The Hollywood Reporter. I don't have Della B this week. She'll be back uh, soon. But the Hollywood Reporter has reported that summer box office suffers a historic decline in the U.S. Is it DJ Carrot Sticks because people just don't happen to like the movies coming out? Or could it be that, that like the GOP, the, uh, the Hollywood community kind of went on a suicide trip a while back? I think it, I mean, everyone goes to the movies to kind of escape from things. So I'm not Mm -hmm. too sure if it has to do with like their political reasonings. I think it's just the selection of movies out there. Yeah. And also I saw over the weekend, it took a huge hit on Saturday. Nobody went to the movies because everybody's watching the the, uh, fight, the boxing fight. I actually think, like I was talking about with Rick Amato on, you know, the the gender stuff and all that, I think there's so many pieces to every puzzle. I think it's a combination of things. I think that because it costs so much money to make movies, and in part because you've got these these actors who want $40 million to make a movie while they yammer on about income inequality, um, it costs so much money to make a movie that, you know, they're trying to rely too much on all these, um, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean number 14. And, you know, it's kind of getting a little played out. I think that's a huge part of it. And I also think that with Netflix and so much different media options and different things to get people's attention that that. But I do think that the politics of it plays an absolute huge part. I mean, you look at you look at uh, the media, you look at the, the movie awards this week and all their their political crap. It's like, yeah, I go to escape. Can you, can you name the t- any of the top five movies that are in the theater right now? I think, well, uh, yes, um, Spider-Man The Homecoming did well this summer, but I, I know that it's only... Not, be- it's out of number five. Well, it, it's, it's down to number seven now. But well, I'm yeah, just but- saying, I'm just saying as my point right now, can you get, can you, is this, are you saying long-term that their, their profits are dropping or is this a more recent thing? Well, it's, it's actually been this year, but this every year, summer okay. up or to every, every summer up until now, it's been roughly a $4 billion summer. It's, it's a 15% decline. It's at 25 year low. Besides Spider-Man, I really can't think of any big box no. office hit. No. I know Dunkirk did really well and that's, was kind of a military movie, but yeah. uh, you know, it had a kind of a different view on the. I would, I'm curious to put it out there to the listeners if they think that this has anything to do with politics or just that the movie industry you know what what do you guys think it's about in the last minute or so left it's time speaking of awards it's time for the ak of the week awards hero of the week and a stink of the week the hero of the week has to go to the citizens 
in the Gulf area, not just the Houston citizens, but the Cajun Navy and others and other great Americans from all around the country that have gone down there to help their their fellow citizens. And again, going back to the open of the show, I think the lessons that should have been learned from Katrina was not to rely on government, but to rely on yourselves as well as is as, as the understanding that we can rely on community. And that's really who did, did the best help post-Katrina in the initial aftermath, as well as the long-term cleanup. And I see that happening again here. And Houston is really, and what you see down there and all the images coming out of Houston, like Katrina, that's really the best of America. That's really shows the heart of America. And this country, is that is who America is. It's not Charlottesville. It's not who the left wants to tell us America is, that we're just nothing but a bunch of white privileged racist haters. That's not what this country is about. This country is about the beautiful heart of the American, I'm going to get choked up, of the American citizen who has a heart for charity and philanthropy. And that's why we became the greatest nation in the world. And we got to stop the left from tearing it down. And the stink of the week, I put it out there to you guys because I really did. My stink had really started out being Anna Navarro, the so, so-called Republican out of Florida, who got who shouted down a, a fellow. She's supposed to be a congresswoman, and she's shouting down some uh, Republican on TV, telling him, "You don't interrupt a Latina. I guess it's okay to interrupt white people or you know black people." Um, some people are saying the stink of the week um, should be. Um, Joel Osteen for not sharing his facility, but I down there, I don't really know the legal implications for that. I'm going to say the stink of the week is everybody in the Republican Party who's piling on Trump and not honoring their pledge, all the pledges that they made going in at the campaign time. But let me know what you think. And thanks for being here. Thanks to my amazing guests, Tom DeBacaro and Rick Amato. And thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks. <laughs>